have your Bible, go with me to Psalm 19. If you go um, Psalm 19, I'll put this up there in just a second, but you'll really Psalm 19 is about creation and about the Creator's words. And I know if we talk about creation, there's all of us that there are certain things that we like about this earth. Uh, I like the mountains, uh, I love the snow. Uh, get an opportunity on Thursday, we're going to go up to a marriage conference in New York. Uh, where Rachel is, so if you don't mind praying, praying that they'll pray that it'll actually snow while we're there. Uh, I'd love to play around in the snow again, but uh, we'll be up there um, next weekend. Looking forward to that. Other people love the beach. You love sand. You love salt water. Uh, I have no idea why you like those things, but some of you love those things. I found this when we were in Africa. Um, God gave us an opportunity as a team uh, to travel outside of Johannesburg down to a place called Morgan's Bay. Um, Morgan's Bay is about a thousand kilometers from Johannesburg, and so well, the whole team loaded up in three different vehicles. Uh, we had two gas vehicles and one diesel vehicle. So we started out of Johannesburg, and we had never really traveled much outside of Johannesburg. I could drive the loop of Johannesburg in about an hour, and you can drive 100 miles an hour. They're not going to stop you, and it's so much fun just to go around a concrete highway. But we had never really ventured out. So a guy by the name of Course said, "Hey, you need to go for." Go away to getaway, a staff retreat. So we go away to this place called Morgan's Bay. When we got about, I don't know, 30 minutes outside of Johannesburg, we decided we were going to stop for fuel because we had no idea how often we could get fuel, where we could get fuel. So the first stop, we got gas, but there's no diesel fuel. So the next stop, we end up in the middle of this town. Nobody speaks English. We're hungry. And so we decided we're going to go eat, I think we ate chicken, uh, that day, and we said, what, and, all, and you got to picture, you got Americans on holiday, and our vehicles are stuffed, full of stuff. I mean, our pickup truck is loaded, we've got a trailer, we've got a car, we've got another vehicle, it's all loaded. So here we come rolling into town, and in Africa, if you, in Johannesburg, they'll steal your car in 30 seconds. I don't care what car you have, I don't care what security system you put on it, if they want your vehicle... They'll get it in 30 seconds. So we decide we're going to go in to eat. So we park our American, you know, they're South African, this American entrepreneur, you know, group of people uh, show up there. And we, we go eat. And uh, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We eat lunch. We finally make it down to Morgan's Bay. And I'd never been to a beach where there was mountains before. Cliffs, rocks, jagged edges. I mean, it was crazy. You didn't swim much uh, because of th- this area. But we, I ended up falling in love with this whole Morgan's Bay beautiful part of nature. Some of you love flowers. Uh, some of you love animals. Uh, I'm aware of that. I even believe there are people in this family that love cats. I'm not sure who you are. Um, but if you like one, we have one. We'd be more than happy to send it to your house. I've got to get permission from my daughter first, and then that's her cat. But, um, and then I realize other people, they just love you know animals and just being outside. So I say all that because I want to take you to two things this morning. First, the Creator, and then I want to take you to the Creator's words. And I want to take you to the Psalm of David in Psalm chapter 19, where David's just not excited about the mountains and the snow and the animals and things that are this the creation itself. He's really excited about the Creator's words. Oh, he's going to give us some explanation about creation, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy creation, but I think one of the things that's fascinating to me is I live in a, in a scheduled life where this week, if, you're, if you live anywhere around here, you're probably more aggravated about the smoke than anything else. 
And so you went around this week saying, you know what, Lord, this stinks. This is terrible. It smells. And you missed all the other things about creation that God painted right in front of you this week. But I was too busy to see it because of the smoke and the things that aggravated me. I think you're probably a lot like me. You're busy. You have places to go. And you haven't stopped to think about the creator of all the universe painted a sky for you this morning. Think about the creator of the universe wanted you to see something, but you were so busy that you didn't hear his voice. And then what's interesting is, is not do we just not only stop and say, oh, I want to see creation. Have we stopped and listened for his words? Do we have a hunger for his words? So this morning as we go through this, we'll go through the creator part as the beginning. Take your Bible, go to Psalm chapter 19. Pick it up in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Have we stopped this week and said, wow, Lord, that's your handiwork today. As you come to Psalm chapter 19, you could also break it up in two other ways. You could break it up and say, okay, this is the mighty one in creation. And the first um, six verses is the mighty one in creation. And then after that, you can come and stop and say, okay, wait a minute. The psalmist kind of switches and says, okay, this, this guy is not just the creator. He's my God. He's my savior. He's my rock. He's my refuge. And you'll see that switch in the words that he, ha- that he says. But as you start out, do you realize that the darkness is only the absence of light? Think about it. So what made this morning different was that the sun came up. And God demonstrated his light to you this morning. Oh, I realize that when the light came in your window, the most, most of you didn't roll over. High five yourself. Yes, it is morning time. I can't wait to get out of bed. If you're like me, where's the snooze button? How many times can I push snooze and still make it to where I need to be on a Sunday morning? Really, Lord? It's morning. I mean, I'm still tired. I don't want to get up yet. If, that's, if, if I'm honest with you, that's what I was thinking this morning. I wasn't thinking, wow, the creator of the universe brought light this morning into a dark place called Highlands County. To a place where he said, you know what, maybe you need to be the light of the world where you live today. Where do I live? Highlands County. As I think about this, think about animals. Those of you that love animals. Do you realize that animals were designed to look downwards? Most animals were designed to look downwards. Do you realize that one of the probably one of the greatest privileges that you and I have is that we walk on two feet and we can see the glory of God no matter how we turn our face. We can see the sky. We can see the stars. Have you ever watched the cat turn around and look at the star? I mean, we have a dog at our house. His name's Chaos. He doesn't get excited when the stars come out. You know what we notice about Chaos? In the morning, if it's cold outside, he will not go outside. And if you put him outside, he will go over by Susan's chicken pen because that's the first place he can get where the sun comes over the house. And he does it every morning when it's cold. Cracks me up. He's not rolling around saying, yeah, we're, when the sun comes up in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. No, he has no idea. He just knows if I get to this spot, I'll be warm. He doesn't, he's not in awe of what's going on around him. But you and I have the privilege to say, you know what, Lord? You created today. You created today for me. Where can I see you today? Can I see you in the stars? Can I see you in the trees? Can I see you in the birds? 
Can I see you in the sunrise? Can I see you uh, as I just drive down the road checking out creation? It's designed for you. For you to pause your busy world, your life, your opinions, your thoughts, your preferences and stop saying, wait a minute, God's talking to me today and he's going to use creation. Wow, thank you. You're my father. I see you today. You're demonstrating your power to me today just by bringing the sun up. As you read on farther, day after day, they pour forth speech and night after night they display knowledge. I don't know, but I haven't really thought about every single day is a new day and God's doing it every day. As long as I'm on this earth, every day is going to be something different. Day after day, you'd think after a while he'd want to take a break. You know, I'm tired of painting for Patterson. He's not appreciating it. So why do I paint anything for him today? And that's not how my God works. Day after day, it's demonstrated right in front of you. Look in verse 3. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Do you realize there's no place in the world where creation doesn't speak about a God? No place. I called Wycliffe Bible translators this week, and I want to know how many, are, how many languages are in our world. What they know is there's 7,999 different languages. 7,999. Do you realize... That those 7,909 languages, no matter where they are in the world, will hear a creation voice this morning. Where our God will paint something in front of them and say, wait a minute, there is a creator, there is a God, and I want to say how much I love you. Here's the sunrise. I don't know if you were here many years ago. Um, Marilyn Laszlo was here, little missionary, um, lady who went to Papua New Guinea. Uh, I think it was Papua New Guinea. Is that, is that, is that right? Papua New Guinea, she, wanted, she had a heart just to share the gospel. In order, in order for her to share the gospel, she's going to have to learn another language. But what she didn't know is at nighttime, the, mission, the, uh, the people where she was in Papua New Guinea, they didn't have a toothbrush. So they were fascinated why Marilyn Laszlo would dip this thing into a can and then put something on it and then brush her teeth with it. Why in the world would you do that? Do you know what they did? At nighttime, they went and got her toothbrush and tried to figure out what it was for, why she was doing that. They hadn't seen a mirror. They would see Marilyn sitting in front of something and it would reflect her face. They had never seen a mirror. So they would go and look at what was there. And in their culture, in their language, and in their creation, they realized when Marilyn finally figured out how to you know, communicate the gospel with them, that a snake was a representation of Satan in their language and their culture. And Marilyn was just blown away that God had already went on ahead and gave them a whole concept of Satan so that there could be a concept about a, redeem- a redeemer, about salvation, about a Messiah. It was built into their culture, built into the, and God used creation to do it. Other thing that I think is really ex- interesting is if you flip over to um, chapter, or, or go over to verse 6. It rises on the ends of the heavens and nothing in its circuit to the other Hiding is hidden from its heat. I'm thinking about the sun. Do you realize that the sun comes up, it'll be hot no matter wherever it is? It's going to, obviously going to be depending on the, where you live in the world. But the heat of the sun is worldwide. So if I would take you to this city, downtown, it's in South Africa, it's called Johannesburg. If I would take you to that city, the sun, you would feel the sun's heat there. It didn't matter where you lived in the city. If you lived in in the skyscrapers, or if you live there in a squatter camp, 
where basically those individuals did whatever they could do for that day to survive, to put something together, what they called a house. And most of them, if they had the capability, they would carry their car battery out of their car into their little area so they could charge their cell phone. And if that didn't work, then you would go around and you could see wires that are laying around that they would, they would run their wires across the ground, they would climb the pole, and they would tap into the main power line with their two wires run all the way back to their house so they could charge their cell phone, charge their car battery, so they could watch TV. And those people know the heat of the sun. You know what's fascinating about those people? And I had the privilege to walk around some of these squatter camps. They would, make a, they would take a, a Coca-Cola can, they would tape it up, and they would play soccer. They didn't have a frown on their face. They weren't mad at the world saying, you know what, life isn't fair, I've got to live in this squatter camp. No, they would do whatever they needed to do so they could get together a game called soccer. We call it football, or they call it football. We want to play football. And so they would take the Coke can and make it into a soccer ball. And so even where they were, they knew the presence of God because of heat. You know what I loved about South Africa? Those people are interested in the gospel. You know why they're interested in the gospel? Because there's no guarantee of life in South Africa. So if you had a cell phone and I wanted your cell phone and I was going to steal your cell phone, I would just shoot you for your cell phone and walk away. And most likely the police would never find you. Find me, the one who would be stealing. Shooting you about 20 rand, 30 rand. You're talking five bucks. You got it? I want it? Bam. Away you go. I would go downtown into this city and call Johannesburg to a place called Hillbrow. Hillbrow Independent Baptist Church. I didn't know anything. I was just a young American missionary. I didn't know any better. I said, God, I'm just going down to the city. You know, nobody told me what was in the city. So I learned how to navigate myself down into the city. And I would go there on a Friday night. They had youth group on a Friday night. So the first Friday night I was there, I was, you know, just sitting around. And all I hear is boom, 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 boom. And I leaned over to the youth guy. I said, what, what's the noise? What's the big deal? He said, that's gunfire. I'm like, what? He said, what are you talking about? So yeah, it's gunfire. We hear it all the time. So what do you mean? He said, yeah, these kids, when they leave this building, there's no guarantee that they will live when they get home. When you leave the city, there's no guarantee you'll be alive even though you've got a car and even though you're driving out of town. There's no guarantee you'll make it out of the city. I didn't know this. So I said, Lord, okay, I'm going to Hillbrow. Because you want me to go down there and talk to him about the Lord? I'm going to Hillbrow. So every time I would come to my gate at home and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me life today. Because I know that I got out of Johannesburg, South Africa, Hillbrow, because you wanted me to have life today. That was your plan. And so, as you think about this passage, as you just, I mean, obviously there's lots of other things that I can talk about, and I don't have time this morning, but I want you to think about this. The Creator's words. Because what most of us do in America, we love to talk about creation, we love to talk about the mountains, we love to talk about the beach and the sand, and God has as much thought about you as there are sand on the seashore and you know, I'd love to think about those world and I'm not saying it's bad for me to love the mountains and love the the snow but we're not talking about what feels good all the time we're talking about this psalmist moved he transitioned from hey this is the mighty God who's the creator to now this is my God and these are his words to me so I don't want to just be in awe of creation I want to step back and say okay that's my God what words does he have for me today what do you want to communicate to me? You are the creator, God. So what do you want to communicate with me today? What are your words for me today? So take your Bible and look at uh, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
So the psalmist is listening to the word of the Lord. He says, you know what? Your words are perfect. Now, you got, if, I'll just show you um, two. There's a couple of them. But take, go to Psalm chapter 12, verse 6. Psalm 12, 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. Go to Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. So now the psalmist is going to transition to his awe and wonder of this creation to stop and say, no, wait a minute. The word of the Lord is perfect. It's flawless. It's for reviving the soul. I was doing some reading this week, thinking back about when, when we were younger, when children, uh, when God gave us children, and when I, kind of when I was a child. You know what's interesting about a child? They don't like authority. Do you remember when your parents put something in front of you and said, we want you to eat this? And it got to about the last two or three bites. And what did you most likely do? Say, I don't want anymore. I'm not hungry anymore. Or remember when you were a kid and you got this big old huge plate full of food. And your eyes were way bigger than your stomach. And your parents said, you you need to finish that. None of you looked at your parents and said, you know what? I really appreciate you. I'm so excited that you're going to make me finish my lunch. And you you didn't thank your parents for that, did you? There's a story about me when I was about six months old. Uh, my dad used to tell this story. He used to take us out. He took us out to eat to the Palmer House. Now, back in the day when I was little, the Palmer House was like the restaurant in Burn. I, I mean, I didn't know. I was just six, six months old. And so I guess I was getting fidgety. So my dad hands me a um, chicken bone. So I got this chicken bone. And no, I'm gnawing on the chicken bone. I don't remember any of this. So now it's time for us to leave. And dad says, I want the chicken bone. And I pitched a royal fit. So he gave the chicken bone back because he was embarrassed how his kid acted. And I ended up leaving the restaurant with the chicken bone. So why do I tell you this story? Because I believe the word of God reviving your soul changed an individual who accept authority. The older you get, if the word of God becomes more a priority of your life, you don't run from authority, you run to authority. There's something inside of you that says, no, wait a second, I need to be different. I don't want to run my life. I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to make this all about me anymore. I guess another way you could put this is like this. Grace comes to decimate our delusion of self-sufficiency. Grace works to destroy our dangerous hope of autonomy. Grace helps to make us reach out for what we really need. And to submit to the wisdom of life giver, of the life giver. That's a quote from Paul David Tripp in a book I'm reading. Is that true about you? Oh, I know you all have rebellion inside of you. All of us have that rebellious heart. All of us have a natural tendency. You know what? Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. That's inside of every single one of you sitting in this room. But will we allow the word of God? The truth of the word of God says it revives the soul. It gives us hunger to change from the inside. It gives us life. 
Where does life come from? From the word. You know what else is interesting? Read on down. The statutes of the Lord are trust, trustworthy, making the wise the simple. Are the word of the, is the word of the Lord trustworthy to you? Is scripture trustworthy? Here's a couple passages of scripture, but for time, I can't give you all these things. The precepts of the Lord are right. Oh, the precepts of the Lord are right. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? You know what really he's saying? Are we willing to follow the rules of scripture for our daily life? That will bring joy to your heart. When God says, this is the rule, and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Fascinating. This is fascinating to me. Anybody willing this afternoon to set up a 10-foot ladder and jump off the ladder to see if the law of gravity still works? Now you say to me, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, none of us are going to do it, right? Because we know if we jump, we're going to come down. Some of us are going to come down harder, and we're going to break things that we wouldn't have broken 20 years ago because we don't... We don't land as nice as we used to. So we're not going to mess with gravity. But here we have the psalmist is saying, wait a minute. Don't just be in awe of the mountains. Don't just be in awe of the sea. I want you to know something. The Creator wants you to hear some things. His words are trustworthy. His precepts are true. They're for the benefit of our life and your life. Keep on reading. It says, the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving, giving light to the eyes. Commandments. Why are they there? To help keep me from the misery of my sin. To guard my heart. Because if I go over there against one of his commandments, it's going to cost me. Here you go. The fear of the Lord. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. Is there a desire in your heart to trust and be obedient to the word of God? You know, fear of the Lord, I, you know, we talk about reverence, we talk about awe, we talk about, we talk about respect. But I, as I think about the fear of the Lord, I think about respect, that I respect it enough to listen and to obey it. Do I respect God's word enough that I will listen and obey. The last one there. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. His rules and judgment are right. And what was interesting is, it's, as, I, as you list those things off, and I won't go over them, just, I don't just, there's almost like there's an appreciation for the Creator's words. It's almost like David is saying, you know what, I really appreciate what you're saying Oh, I, I love the mountains and I love your creation, but I love your words to me. Why would he love those words? Because those words were words that would convert his soul and restore his soul. His words were words that would make him wise. His words would bring rejoicing, would bring truth into his life. His words would, would bring enlightenment, that would give him direction for his life. His words would bring endurance, help him to remain over time. It would enrich his life. It would satisfy his life. How would it satisfy his life? Look on, look, read on down to verse 10. These words are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from a comb. Do you realize when you read gold, 
that in this day and age, when he, read, when he talks about gold, he's saying that this is the most valuable thing that's on this earth. David is saying, that's what your words mean to me. He doesn't stop with that part. He says they're sweet. So the most expensive thing that David could give you a word picture of from Psalm chapter 19 is pure gold. And it's sweeter to his soul than honey. There's nothing sweeter than it. They didn't have those little pink packets that some of you used to sweeten your stuff up. They didn't exist back then. So the two things, the word picture he wants you to see, it is valuable and it is sweet. It'll give you purpose. It'll give you direction. It will give you joy when life doesn't make sense. That's what the word meant to, to, to this song, to David. But this is what I think is interesting. David's heart in all this. It's almost like David says, I see your creation, and I want to listen to your words. But I don't just want it to be information. He sees the Creator. He's heard the Creator's words. Now he opens his heart to the Creator. Look at the last verse. Verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, let's just be honest for a second. If I had the capability to put your meditations on this screen, we would be embarrassed. If if there was a capability for my meditations to be put on that screen, I would be embarrassed. So this is what I think is so cool. It wasn't just words for him. It wasn't just the mountains. He said, okay, Lord. I want my meditations. I want you, and you and I, God and you and I are the only ones to know what I meditate on. I want my relationship to develop so deeply with you that my meditations are before you. Here it is. Why? Because you're my rock and you are my redeemer. And I want this relationship between the two of us. Is that you this morning? Are we going to be willing to be that honest with the the creator? Say, okay, God, I see your creation. And maybe you just need to stop and say, you know what, Lord, I've just been too busy this week, and I missed your creation. All right, that's fine. We're going to have weeks and days that are like that. It's not like God's upset, saying, oh, well, there goes Patterson again. He's aggravated about so-and-so. No, no, he's way bigger than that. But he'll continually paint things in front of me for me to see, for me to open my eyes, for the Holy Spirit to show me. Here it is. That's, that's one form of my relationship with Christ. But do I hunger for his words? And not just to know them. Okay, it's, it's great to know, you know, truth. It's great to be reminded that he's, his law is perfect, that it will revive my soul, that, that he's trustworthy, that his precepts are right, that his commandments are to give me light to my eyes, to fear him. His word, that's all one, that's good to know. But will I follow? Will I let him inside of my heart and say, okay, hey, I've been thinking about things I shouldn't have been thinking. 
my deepest part of who I am as a person, my meditation, is not honoring you, God. I need to ask for forgiveness. Is that your heart this morning? Is that your desire, not just to know about him, not just to see him, not just to read about him, but to have a relationship with him? Then okay. You know what's going on, so let's communicate. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts here this morning. I don't. You know what we meditated about. You know if we're even interested in creation. You know if we even have a desire for your word. So you, you can play games as you want if you want, but the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. And whatever that still small voice is saying to you, my recommendation for you is to run to that still small voice. He knows what you're meditating on, guys, ladies. He knows if you have a hunger for his word. Run to him. Open your heart to him. Take the word of God in this afternoon and look at some of his precepts and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life? Where do you want to work? Where do you want to convict? Where do you want to encourage? Where do you want to guide me? The Holy Spirit, whatever you do, ask that you would change people's lives. Ask that you would begin to work inside of individuals that need encouragement, hope, comfort, restoration, forgiveness, whatever needs to take place. Father, may our family not just be a knowledge family. May our family have a hunger to hear your voice. And when we hear it, that we'll obey it. That you'll give us the strength to do what's right in a messed up world. So, Father, thank you for your words. Now send us out to be a light of the world. Send us out to see your creation and point it out to others. Send us out as... We meditate on your word to be able to give that word to others as a word of encouragement. But all along, Holy Spirit, keep our hearts in check. In your name I pray. Amen.